time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. Korean dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korea? stories from classics to modern masterpieces time to dig deep into the charms of korean literature on check it out with paul so wednesday it's january 3rd it's pretty cold outside no, and paul not. is wearing we're in, a we're not hawaiian in shirt not minus, not minus temperatures. I heard you in, you know, Vietnam, so I decided to sort of, you know. You dressed up for dressed Vietnam. Up for yeah, thank you so much, Paul. I feel like I'm back there. Actually, it's because everyone I know has yeah. seemingly gone to hot countries for New Year. Why has everyone done that I don't know. Year? A certain newsreader sitting in the other booth. Yeah. She was off on a fancy exotic beach with her family. Her hubby was rubbing it in my face because I had rubbish weather in yeah. Vietnam. Waste of time, waste of money. And they went, I think, to Saipan. And oh, they had a sunny, fabulous time. beautiful. Yeah. And now, I don't and, know, I'm very jealous. And I was in Seoul with my cats. Well, that's just as lovely. No, it's good. No cats in Vietnam. Although, giant snails, like, oh. everywhere. Imagine how good those would taste. I don't like snails like to eat. I do like them like to touch, and so yeah. I pick them up and stuff. But my kids have a bit of a phobia. Like I don't know why. When when Gia was young, and we lived in the UK for a while. Lots he was of snails. Really friendly with them. Yeah. He'd put them on his hands. They feel kind of cool. But then I don't know. I think it was because my wife is quite scared. She one time screamed in front of a snail, and that wow. scarred him for life. Look, I, I think that's a shame because snails are generally. I mean, if you're a gardener, they can be a bit of a pain in the bum, <laughs> but uh, they're better than slugs. There you go. Yeah, I don't like slugs. They look like naked snails to me. Uh, Paul, have you had a good start to 2024? Did you go in with a bang on the 31st, go out drinking and clubbing as usual? <laughs> Went to bed at 8pm um, because my cats woke me up at five the next morning. Oh, my goodness. Started work. That was my first taste of the new Yay. year. But yesterday, yesterday, because my wife worked Christmas okay. and I sort of was doing scripts you and other things You did Santa for as well for Christmas. For Christmas Eve, okay. yeah. But on Christmas Day, we were both working. So we didn't celebrate Christmas until yesterday. Wow, so you just hold off. Hold it off, because I've had to perform on Christmas Day as well. Wow, and, and you had presents unopened. Unopened presents, opened all the presents yesterday. Had a friend, a very old friend from Norway sent us some Christmas cake from the UK. Oh, so I had a lovely. slice of Christmas cake. Um, yeah, I had a special meal. It was what great. did you get? What was your favourite present that you unwrapped? My favourite present, uh, lots of pottery. My wife, pottery? Um, my wife likes to give art. Oh, lovely. So I uh, got some, some beautiful little dishes that I, one she said you have to use this for your tea bags it's oh. used for your tea bags so you put a, your used tea bags on that dish because you use a tea bag twice oh are you Do a you nicer not? no no i'm sorry because british tea is expensive here yeah so, so you get the most out get of it. Get the most out of it. Yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah, the pottery. Love the pottery. And just Aww. loved spending time together. And the other thing was, we, we watch a movie at Christmas. Yes. We watched Gommy Jip yesterday. Oh. Cobweb. Kim okay. Jun's film starring Song Kang Ho. His sort of tribute to 1970 cinema. Yeah. Loved it. Really good. Really, really good. Fabulous. I started watching. I've told you a few times that I've wanted to watch it, but didn't get around to it. And I still haven't finished. I only watched the first maybe 30 minutes. Uh, Cork Song. Yes. The Wailing. Oh, my God. Goodness! Just wait till you get to the end. You're no, traumatized. I don't think I'm going to watch the rest. It's like, really I felt, scary. Yeah, I felt 
terrible after watching that. Like, you don't feel good. You, no, I, I, when I finished watching Gok Sung, first of all, I started just searching on the internet going, <laughs> what actually happened? <laughs> and then for the next two weeks, I just Wait, I didn't that, want to think about it. That's not based on a true story, is it? No, when you get to the, if you get to the end of the film, you'll go, ah, what did I just watch? Okay. Yeah. I don't think I'll do that then. Okay. Uh, today's lovely hashtag, shiz soup. <coughs> you, well, you made a mistake there. I did it on purpose, see? See, that's the pro that I am. Oh, mistake. What does that bring to mind for you, Paul? Uh, brings brings to mind today. Mm? You know why? So she'll see your eel. She'll see your eel. I guess that could make sense actually, because shoe can mean like a real, so a real Wednesday. Shoe just or a thread Wednesday, like shoe being thread. That's terrible. Uh, moving on. Shil ehamdida. Oh my goodness! I told you, didn't I? I told you guys, I warned you that Paul was going to make a dad Sushi joke, bon, and he did. <laughs> Let's stop it now. Shusu mistake. Uh, what's the book we're looking at? Make no mistake, I've got a great story for you. It's not a book, but you've even messed it up. Oh, you've made a, a mistake. It's not a book. It's a, a short story pamphlet? from a collection. Okay, sorry. Not a pamphlet. For okay. goodness sakes! No, we got a fantastic short story. It's called The Future of Silence. It's by Kim Edan, translated by Bruce and Juchan Fulton. It is an amazing short story from the Penguin uh, Book of Korean Short Stories. Mm. We featured a few stories from there. Um, the actual story, The Future of Silence, is from the Korean language short story collection called Ba Katan Yodam. Oh. So we're going to feature one of those stories from that book because it's the only one okay. in the collection. All right, that we've got translated here. So what are we talking about? The future of silence. We have a very unusual museum and a very unusual narrator mm. who doesn't seem to know what they are. What and they who seems, are? Yeah, who seems to be inhabiting the body of an old man. What on earth is that about? Yimiran... I do know what on earth they're about. We've mentioned them. We've done their stories before, right? Yeah, a few of her short stories and also her brilliant novel, My Brilliant Life, Dugan Dugan Um If you haven't read that or if you haven't seen the movie, get on it. Um, it's going to make you cry. Is it's going to make you laugh. the movie that was out recently? No. No. Okay. Came out back a, a decade ago. You're making all sorts of shizus today, Peter. Deliberately. See? In singing Adam Dao, I think might be... No, the... that's a different... That's Korean a different title. one. Yeah, that's not. No, Dugan Dugan Nainzing. Okay, that's the my title. Brilliant life. Okay, that isn't the story we're doing today. No, we're way. doing a short story called The Future of Silence. I just wanted to add some more mistakes into <laughs> here. Um, Ray Kim says, I like Peter Ajashi's gags. I think you meant Paul, so you've just done a shizu as well there, a mistake. We're getting yeah. really deep and meta. Lots of lots of mistakes today. I love it. Okay, yeah, well done. A, my mum, for uh, some reason, she called me a mistake. <laughs> Let's talk about the translator. Uh, well, translators, Bruce Fulton and Juchana Fulton. We've Another mistake, many times. deliberately, yeah. doing it. Co-translators, husband and wife. Um, and they, that Bruce Fulton's put together the Penguin Book of Korean Short Stories. We featured a few of those last year. This is another in the series because I think they're all worth looking at because they're all, I don't know, they're all milestones in the history of Korean oh, literature. Nice. So that book is not a Korean short story collection translated, but he's like hand-picked them. Yeah, he's them picked the there. stories. Most of them are translated by him and his wife. Yeah. Some of them are translated by others, but it's sort of a representation of different aspects of Korean literature through different time periods. It's really good. Uh, last year, I got very angry when we featured their brilliant but very harrowing translation of Dogani, oh, um, yes. which was excellent. Um, so, yes, it's always good to have their translations on the show. Yeah, that story, if you don't remember it or you didn't hear it, read the book or watch the movie with Kong Yu, but it will leave you 
even more angry, maybe, and yeah. disturbed than Cork Song, The Wailing. I'm not sure because I haven't got to the end of that. Uh, okay, we've got one more message to read before you Ooh, can jump into your sure. readings from Sarah. I wonder okay. if you agree. Yorkshire tea is amazing. Is that your brand of choice? No, we can't talk about brands on the show. Well, you know, the ones that aren't sold in Korea, it's all right. You can buy that in Korea. All right, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I appreciate all the teas equally. But, um, certainly a northern tea. Uh-huh. A northern tea, you know, from an area that's famous for its Viking museum uh-huh. um, is very, very good. Yes. Oh, okay. I may have some in my cupboard. Lovely chubbly. Uh, first excerpt, you said it's a short story, so I assume we're starting at the very beginning you might think you're mistaken but you're not no we are going to start at the very beginning no context needed because at the very beginning of the story we're really not sure what's going on i have an old name a very long name to utter that name would require a lifetime But even a lifetime might be too short. You could try for hundreds, even thousands of years, and even if you were successful, you might discover that my name has become twice as long in the process. Which is why I, myself, have never been able to remember it. When I get to wondering about my name, I try to grab hold of a memory of what it was or what it might have been part of, and a few clues glimmer. I wonder who I am and how old I am. The first cry at birth, maybe that was my name. An inarticulate rant of despair directed towards the void, just before death, that might have been my name. Simple love couched in complicated syntax, maybe that was my name. Words swelling with grief like a dam about to be breached, that might have been my name. I cannot memorize my name, but I can tell you who I am, and whoever you are, you will probably hear my language as your own. I was born today, and soon I will disappear. We all have our one day to live, each of us. We're born old, we age a day, and we die old. That one day is as long as the history of a species, but as short as a yawn. The moment we're born, we're breathing our background and history. We are born in a previous life, and we die in that life. When we utter the distinctive words of our language, temporality and space surge towards us. The far reaches of time catapulting towards us. Great stones skipping across water. Perhaps that's true of your language as well, assuming it's an old one. I wonder who I am and how many of us there are. I am the spirit of the breath and energy released from a language at the moment of its extinction. I am a gigantic eye, a huge mouth. I am given life for a day, a brief span in which I look back over my previous life. I am both singular and plural, a collective and its parts, a fog bank and its separate wisps. I am the synesthesis of all that helps me to be me, and the weight of the silence that makes such syntheses erase themselves. I am the volume of absence, the density of loss, the force generated when a light flickers on only to be snuffed out. I am the heat from decomposing animals and rotting food. I wonder who I am and where I live. Uh, let's see, any responses to uh, the reading so far? No, no, no messages. To, oh, sorry, Peter was looking at the wrong page. Yeah, hashtag shiz, but I do think actually there are no 
No, nobody's talking about us today. Sorry, Sorry because... Sorry, a good story. No, because I was so confused. Uh, as you said, the entity here is quite confused as well, it seems. Yeah. living for a day, but also living the whole history of a, you know, a population. And not knowing what they are, maybe... Their name as well seems too yeah. long to remember for them. And also we find out that they're they're living in this old man. We their find host, that out. Yeah, okay. it's this old man. And he's dying and they're leaving his body. Oh. And he's someone quite unusual. Okay. This old man is the only speaker of a language. The last one left. Oh, wow. That's intriguing, isn't it? Yeah, and we start to get an inkling that maybe our narrator is his language. Ah, okay. That's an interesting concept as well. And he's in a very special place, a very unusual place. And there are lots of his kind here. Oh, in the museum. I didn't say it was a museum. Sorry, you said that earlier and then I just assumed. Is it a museum? it's a museum. Oh, wow. (laughs) What a mistake. Yeah. It's called the Museum of Moribund Languages. Oh. You know, languages that don't have any point anymore because there aren't many speakers left. Oh, that's sad. So there's over a thousand of them there and they each speak their own language. Okay. And they're maybe the last one or the last two of them of these languages that are dying out. Uh And they work at the museum. So they live there, they work there, they go to the dormitory at night. The languages? The people. Okay. Who are inhabited by these languages. We don't know. We only know the narrator. We don't know if everyone's like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Peter. Sorry. Stop making mistakes. I will follow along. Yeah. So each tribe, which has just one person or maybe two people, mm-hmm. has its own exhibition hall mm-hmm. where there's exhibits about their about their language, about their tribe, about their culture. There's artifacts. And they stay there all day. Mm-hmm. And in the center of this museum, there's a fountain where instead of water, there's words. Oh. Holographic words come out of it. Well, that's cool. But the issue is that these people are getting older and they're dying and the museum isn't doing well. Hmm. It's not as popular as it used to be. It's a bit out of the way and it's expensive to run. Okay. Um, And people are dying like this language's host. Oh. Um, And their languages are becoming extinct. Okay. And life is not great at the museum for these people. It's pretty dull. It's the same routine every single day. And they're not allowed to... Mix. They can't talk to each other. One, because they don't understand each other. And two, the museum wants to protect the distinct characteristics of each language. Ah, but that'll make them lonely. Yeah. If you're lucky, there's two of you. Mm. But most for most people, it's one. Mm. And then when they die, there's a mannequin that's put in their hall wearing traditional clothing from their tribe with a red sticker on the wall that says extinct. Oh, it does sound like an intriguing museum, though. It is, but it's also a very scary one, I think, for these individuals. Mm-hmm. And also, we we still don't know about this narrator, who seems to be the language of this host man who's dying. Wow. And so then we learn more about the routine, the, the daily life of living and working in the museum, and also we learn a rather disturbing fact about the language's host. Oh, Bree saying, so in other words, is he a language zombie or something? No. No. No, Bree, it's a great idea, but no, (laughs) not a language zombie. Let's pick it up here with our second reading. For those who still live, the routine in the exhibition rooms they occupy is similar. They sit, woodenly off to the side, rising instantly at the arrival of tourists to gather themselves, and speak a few words in their language, 
a hello and perhaps their name and who named them. There are slight variations from room to room. One tribe might phrase the greeting, our earth spirit consents to welcome you. Another might say, you must speak our ancestral language if you wish to pass through. Through the earbuds of a small audio device, the visitors hear these greetings rendered in the language of the center, after which they continue their tour of the complex, tagging along after their guide and occasionally raising a rude or silly question before departing. Quite a few dispense with the listening device altogether, engrossed in appreciation. For example, at exhibition halls where, instead of an explanatory plaque about the designated language, there is only a sign reading, untranslatable or under reconstruction. In such halls, the speaker crouches like an animal in a cage, his or her face decidedly gloomier than those of other speakers, eyes regarding the visitors with an otherworldly gleam. Because the speakers have survived so long, they've taken on a shriveled look, like rice grains from the Bronze Age stoppered in test tubes. Yuck! These speakers are especially popular as background for selfies for the tourists. The different tribes perform various greetings. The speaker might touch his cheek to the visitors, or kiss the visitor's foot, or the crown of his or her head. But such contact, indeed any direct contact between speaker and visitor, has been prohibited by the center ever since a speaker slashed a visitor across the neck on impulse. A speaker who for a decade had conformed to center guidelines by greeting tourists with a smile and saying, what a nice day, what splendid weather, or some such thing. I know the story because this man was my last speaker. Something blade sharp was in his fist. It turned out that several days before the attack, the man had broken in half one of his tribe's CDs and hidden the jagged piece inside his shirt. The victim clutched his neck and collapsed and the CD fragment fell to the floor, blood running from its shiny plastic surface. No oh dear, that's a bit disturbing, isn't it? Well, what would you do if you were stuck in a museum for your entire life with no one to talk to and people coming out, Oh, look at him! Oh, look! Let's hear his funny language! So, are they like prisoners, these people? These last of the remaining tribe who speak the languages? It seems like they have little choice but to do this as well. Yeah, one may think of them like animals in a zoo. Hmm, yeah, that's rather sad. And, yeah, just to clarify for Sarah, uh, this isn't a real museum, is it? No. I mean, not unless Peter's set one up over the weekend. I am keeping it a secret under wraps. But this happens, right? There are languages that go extinct due to tribes going extinct and whatnot, which is yeah. very sad. So, but the question is, what do you do? Because we, we always talk about preserving culture. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of preserving culture when it comes to architecture or historical artefacts. But yeah. what do you do when it comes to living culture? We have national treasures here in Korea. Yeah. But if you're a national treasure, it's a pretty lonely life if nobody else does what you do. Yeah. And you're kind of, I guess, celebrated for your rarity, but are you, like, recognised for that, being lonely? And are you encouraged to maybe mix? In this case, you can get the centre's point of view, not wanting any languages to be contaminated. Yeah. But the people must be ever so lonely. So this language, we assume it's language, the narrator, yeah. used to be in the host that slashed out a visitor. Well, yeah, this is the this is the, the old man who's dying, okay. that the language is leaving. The thing is, it's never made entirely clear. It feels like the language is reborn each day. Oh. Um, but can only re be reborn in a person who speaks the language. Mm. So they live a long time, but at the same time, their life is only a day. Okay. And she 
is in this host because he's the last person who speaks this language. Okay. Um, and the narrator keeps telling us about how the, the languages are so beautiful. Each one is different. Each one has its own uh, special, uh, I want to use the Korean word, tukjing, mm. uh, because that's the word that comes to mind, yeah. its own characteristic, something that defines it. Um, there was once even a baby born at the museum. Oh, wow. Two parents of different tribes couldn't <gasps> communicate, had a baby together, but they gave the baby away because they didn't want it growing up in the environment. The center was like, no, the baby can stay. Oh. Yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see what happens. But no, they, they, they couldn't deal with it's that. An odd place. And then we find more information about this host, this old man. Okay. And we find out that he was kidnapped, basically, at the age of 15. Oh. And he was taken to this museum. Okay, this is a nefarious place. Yeah. He once escaped when he was younger. And traveled months and months, walked back yeah. to find his home, only to find the forest where his family had been gone. Oh. You know, his tribe disappeared. Okay, so mentally he's not going to be in a great place. No, and so he returned to the museum. There was nowhere else to go. And, <sighs> and from that time, he started to get sicker and sicker and sicker. Mm. And the narrator tells us how he sort of descended into despair How he just wanted to be able to talk mm. to someone, to communicate, whatever it was, you know, just a simple conversation. Of course. And longing for an end to this sort of lonely imprisonment. Mm. And then the narrator speaks of the moment when he dies and how the narrator has been freed and how they feel this longing to visit the place where they were born. And then something happens to the narrator. In the oh. final moments of the story, which is where the third excerpt is going to come in. We'll get on to that after a song break. Jennifer's saying it sounds like a living exhibit and a way to interact with history. Briefly, there should be appreciation, not despair, like they are feeling. But they can't talk to anyone because nobody speaks their language. Yeah, they're just literally, like you said, like animals in a zoo. It's all kind of one way, isn't it? It makes you start to rethink Toy Story and Night at the Museum. <laughs> Uh, Hartley says, how can you preserve cultural history or, or cultural living cultural things if you're removed from it, like these exhibits slash prisoners? Well, this is what this story is all about. It's a, it's a, it's a short story, but it's also a thought experiment. Mm, yeah, it's really an interesting one. And Sunflower says, yeah, there's an isolated tribe in South America that they believe is dying out. Only a few people left. I think there have been examples of some of the tribes dying out because they were very small and very localized. And that is quite a sad thing, isn't it? To think that language will never be spoken again. But that's life. That is. That you know, is we are ephemeral. Yeah, no more Cockney rhyming slang in a few decades, I suppose. Oh, no, that'll be around. I'll keep that. <laughs> yeah. I once heard of a planet too cold for even the gods to inhabit. That planet is ringed with concentric bands of echoes of the last dreams and final outcries of the people below. The wide, colourful bands are dyed with the patterned spirits of the tribal languages. We become yellow dust and ice chips after we die. Such are our superstitions and legends. How could I become cold as ice? It's strange to contemplate, but I am fine with the notion that I'll live on somewhere. But I learned when I left my last speaker that there's a crucial problem with the story of that planet. Our final stop is not that planet where the cold freezes even the breath of the gods. Rather, our final resting place after our speaker's death is not the next world, is not the cosmos, it's a smelter. A place as hot as Hades. Far away I see a few enormous spirits riding off on the wind, moving in a stubborn one-way flow. On and on they flow and suddenly they're sucked into a huge funnel. 
The next moment they begin to vanish in a whirlwind like iron filings collected by a magnet. I don't want to go there. And I turn away, but the magnet is pulling me, and before long I'm looking down, captivated by the scene unfolding below. Beyond the low hills cradling the museum, roads radiate endlessly in all directions. Crammed among those roads are factories identical in size and shape. And surprise, the museum is right in the middle, nestled within the hills and the disc-shaped plot of land, and beyond stretch the interminable factories. For the first time, from this lofty vantage point, I see the lie of the land. Who am I? And what's going to happen to me? I was born in a drawing on a tree, a carving on a rock. My first name was Misunderstanding, but over time and by necessity people changed my name to Understanding. I liked my name or whatever it might have been part of. I was a song of simple love couched in complicated syntax, singular and plural, origin and end, everything and nothing. I had my one day to live, and yet, during that day, I looked down on an entire life. I expanded and my name lengthened. It became so long that in the long flow of time, no one could ever utter it in its entirety. But at this moment, I realize that in another world, it could be summarized in a single word. For some, that word might be energy, for others, fuel, and still others might think of natural resources. I may have been what made this world go around. I may have been that which is worth dying for as I'm sucked into this huge, mysterious funnel. I recall my final dwelling, the Museum of Moribund Languages, and its prized fountain, the unique glass globe with the hologram of the free floating letters and characters of the various tribal languages. The cheery dance of the spotlit letters continues until 12 noon, when the movement briefly freezes. The sphere opens up like a blossoming flower and the words cascade down among the petals. I always thought it was beautiful. But now I see it's a nightmarish beauty. I see that the glass globe will not bring this pretty dream to an end any time soon. And as I repeat yet another cycle of death, I can't bring myself to look away. Oh dear. Wait. What's going on at the end here? So it seems like they're coming to an end and they're meeting their maker, quote-unquote. They, they should don't want to go. They should be meeting their maker, but they're not. Oh. Because death has been stolen from them, or rather, they're thrust into a cycle of eternal death. Oh, no. Because they're trapped in the fountain. Oh, that's the ending here for them. They're yeah. not going the natural way. No, the language <sighs> should become extinct and be frozen in the void or whatever it may be, but instead it's in this Oh. dastardly fountain oh, dear. with all these other languages that have died that have no speakers and yet are forced to perform oh, no. for visitors they're being kept alive like you know from our point of view we just think they're just letters and words they're not alive but they they are they're suffering like they're this. dead languages <gasps> being forced to dance oh. in the fountain Dear, we shouldn't go to any museums. Like we should just lay these cultural pieces to rest, all of them. Perhaps. What are we doing? I mean, this is it, it deals with a really interesting concept. Mm. When I was young, I was fascinated by pantheism. pantheism. You heard this term, pantheism, the study of panthers. Uh, no, <laughs> the belief that there is a spirit in everything. There's a god in everything. You right. know, like, every object. Yes. So in Korea too, um, if we look at the history of Korean um, religion, philosophy, and spirituality, the belief yeah. of the mountain gods of the mm -hmm. spirits in each. And everything. Yeah. So why not a spirit of language? Okay. Um, and also, how do we treat that with respect? Mm. And you can you can make your own 
decision, your own thoughts about this story. For me, it's a horror story. Wow, really? Yeah. Like we're the kind of puppeteers keeping them alive, performing yeah. for us. When perhaps we, because humanity is ephemeral, we just need to let parts of humanity die when they're ready to go. And just disappear, perhaps. Yeah. You know, we're, we're quite obsessed, aren't we, with keeping things not necessarily alive, but keeping a record of everything and remembering yes. things. Maybe, yeah, it's natural to forget. But also, we're particular about what we remember, mm. what we choose to remember and what we choose to forget. Yeah. And it also made me think about getting older. Because, uh -huh. you know, you and I have been in Korea for a while. Yes. Um, and we've both seen language change oh, in that's Korea. that's true. Mm -hmm. um, Korea, the, one of the most amazing things I think about the Korean language is that new words pop up just, you know, day after day after day. There's yes. the new judinmal, the, the shortened word or so a new many. expression or a loan word from another language comes in and mm. suddenly we're all saying honey butter <laughs> or whatever it may be. But if you're in your 70s or 80s, it must be hard to keep up with that. Oh, definitely. And the language that you used as a child is not the language used by the children today. Yeah. And you become isolated. In fact, mm. you are, as an older person, part of a tribe where one of you will become the last person to speak the way that you as a group spoke. Yeah. And I guess this story might be telling us, um, to your interpretation, maybe that's okay and we don't need to protect that and it's just okay to die and be lonely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I work in, in performing arts mm -hmm. and I love, I love film and television, but one of the most fantastic things about theatre is it doesn't last. Mm. It is a contract between the performers and the audience for 90 minutes, yeah. and then it's gone, and it's never the same. Yes. You do the same show eight days a week, mm -hmm. but eight times a week, not eight days. Sorry, yeah. that's another hashtag. She'll sit. Um, but each show is different, and each show is a living thing, yeah. and then it's gone. Um, and so I'm. A, I've always been a big fan of this idea of uh, ephemerality, as it were. Yeah. And that, yeah, there are things that we do have to let go in the same way that we all die, mm -hmm. and we have to let go of life. Yeah. But there's also traditions or practices that maybe we need to let go of as well. Things that have outstayed their welcome, mm. and maybe we need to change the way we do things. I was talking yesterday. Um, we're at a different radio station, a different <laughs> presenter who used to be on Adirang a long time ago, uh -huh. and talking about the fact that now. Nobody changed their age on Monday. Mm -hmm. Like we usually traditionally do. Traditionally do, but with Korea's changed the system now. Yeah. Where we're all using the, the, the international age system, or the mm -hmm. Western age system, as it's sometimes called. And I asked, I, I put, put this question to her. So do you think we'll still have the lunar calendar mm. in 20 years' time, in 30 years' time? She said, of course we will, because the older people. I said, but when they're gone, will we still have it? Mm. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's going to happen to Korea in our lifetimes or beyond our lifetimes. Yeah. But I think this story is a reflection of change. Yeah, it, it's so fickle. Like you said, what we choose to cling on to and not cling on to. Like we don't use the lunar calendar. No one talks about, oh, it's the third month of this well, and blah, do. blah, blah. Yeah, all the time, Paul. You're the only one. You're the lonely like soul it. that we're preserving. But. Yeah, why do we still cling on to the Solas and the Chusoks, which are according to that calendar? Yeah. It's really deep. It's a deep think of this book. Like you said, a very short story, not a book. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so many messages coming in. Nian saying, I guess cultural preservation is subjective based on who's curating it. And with the Absolutely. museum, that's yeah. what it's saying. And I, I, I agree, Nian, entirely. It really is about 
taking care in the same way that I think I think zoos are sometimes necessary. Yeah. But the way that a zoo is created and the way that you look after animals. I mean, here in Korea, I think everybody's become obsessed with fubal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, fubal, the panda, the panda. who's going to be returning soon. I, I know, but they've not just been obsessed with fubal. They've been obsessed with fubal's keeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this lovely older gentleman mm. who who has. There's so many videos on YouTube. They've got subtitles if you will watch them and see how he treats yeah. this panda with so much reverence and care and love oh. and. A museum that does that is a great thing as a way of preserving culture. But this museum, I get the feeling when we see when we see from the narrator's point of view the factories spanning out that it's mm. all just the same thing, the same building again and again and again. This is not a culture that respects difference and yeah. diversity. It's a culture that wants. Everything to be the same, and if you're different, we'll stick you in a museum. Oh, it's very, very, I don't know, spine chilling in that way. You're Happy one, New Year, everyone! One line review, please, Paul. A haunting imagining of a language being lost and how it might deal with that moment. Really, an eye opener today. Next week's book. Uh, I've got a short story. It's available online for free, so please do read it. It's a classic. It's called "The Human Arachnid" by <laughs> Ke Young Muk. It's mm. translated by Eugene Larson Halleck. "The Human Arachnid." Please let us know if you read it. Yes. Send us in your review, your thoughts, whatever you like. Um, and yes, uh, that's next week's book. Thank you so much for your reading today, Paul. Uh, thanks to everyone. Thanks to the uh, Literature Translation Institute of Korea for their help with copyright issues for the broadcast. Thanks to Kim Aran for her excellent story. To Bruce and Juchan Fulton for their translation. We're all going to die. Life is meaningless. See you next week with another book. But that's okay. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.